Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery with your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Heard on FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Now we're, we're going out on a limb here because I'm, I'm, I'm going to show my age because there's a lot of questions here. This is like, uh, you know, you remember for me, for me it's like uh, sci-fi is uh, a journey <laughs> to the center of the world. <laughs> and... Uh, and you know, Planet of the Apes and uh, the Time Machine, and and that, now there's all these new things out there, these newfangled things, you know. And I have no mm-hmm. idea really what they are. I mean, I kind of do, but I'm, I'm I still haven't really got it down that that good. So um, and now we've got so we've got an author that's uh, I think he's written over forty books. So he's uh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and and he works in this in this genre that's um, kind of interesting because I don't quite get what it is. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about his new book, Core Establishment. Um, Jonathan Brooks, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Well, we'll see at the end of the show if you're still <laughs> still saying that, still here. Um, listen, so so Jonathan, you um, you write in this area that I'm I used to feel like I was comfortable with I used to think I understood it but now there's so many different types of let's say science fiction and now fantasy sci-fi and all this and you're even in a different one from that yeah kind of Um, so so maybe explain to us old timers what exactly this is like uh, as compared to just basic science fiction yeah, absolutely. So, uh, lit RPG, it stands for, uh, literary, uh, role playing game. Um, and game lit are two of the genres that are, are, um, kind of emerging 
from a more of a high tech uh, background. Um, so video games and um, like tabletop games, uh, even card games, um, those are being applied to fantasy and science fiction stories. Uh, so you, you take, you know, a basic fantasy story and you can add elements to it um, that uh, apply statistics to the development of the character. So instead of just saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a mage and I worked really hard and I studied and now I can cast a spell. It's, you know, I, I'm a mage. I killed a whole bunch of monsters. I gained experience. I leveled up. I'm now level 10. And this level 10 fireball is so much better than my level one fireball. So it's, it's pretty much adding uh, statistics and numbers to the development of the characters. Um, and also, applying usually a game-like world to uh, the environment. So it's not just, I'm in a fantasy land, I'm in a fantasy land that has um, like status screens or menus that you can look at, or you just inherently know that you are only level one or I'm level 100. And so, um, you know, you can really apply those kind of that information to uh, both your own development and the other people in the world. Now, when you do it, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, when you are you playing a game as you're writing this, or are the readers kind of playing a game? And is it a game? And, and do you use dice and, and other things as as you're going through um, an adventure like this? You you uh, when you're writing it, some people do use. Uh, dice to give it a more organic feel instead of having it feel artificial. Um, you don't necessarily have to as a writer. Uh, I don't. Um, I just, I make up my own mechanics and stuff like that. But the readers, they're almost like they're watching someone play a game. That's what it's kind of like. So if you've ever watched, you know, like people doing stuff on YouTube, that's almost what it's like um, if you've ever watched um, people, even in sports on YouTube. It almost feels like you're part of the game um, when you're reading these, these stories. So it's a game in written form, basically. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, it's, it's if you're even just take any, you know, um, well, I can say like Lord of the Rings or something like that, if you were to give it some stats and, um, you know, some development to the characters, that's pretty much what it is. So it's not necessarily um, has to be a, a game so much as um, a a development that is that has statistics and um, you can you can visual visually see usually sometimes they're stat tables sometimes they're just notifications saying uh, congratulations you leveled up you uh, improved your strength by one or uh, you've unlocked a a new spell or ability that kind of thing. Wow, um, I need a drink. <laughs> so, so, so let, let, let me try to figure this out. So, you are writing this book, uh-huh. a, and um, you are writing about the game that you've put yourself into. Uh, pretty much, yeah. You can. Uh, I all of uh, what I develop in my stories, I make the whole game mechanics to. They may be similar to some like you know like D and D or other video games that are like uh, role playing games. Um, but they're all kind of the game world that I develop 
and I have my characters uh, live in that world. Um, and all of these these things, they don't always know that, it, or usually they don't know it's an actual like game. So that's just their world. So like if you woke up tomorrow and you had a status screen just pop up in front of your your eyes saying, oh, you're you're level five or you're level 40 or whatever. Um, that's kind of their world. So it's not necessarily has to be a game. Uh, it just has game-like elements to that are applied to it. Wow. Um, well, if I wake up and see a screen, I'm calling the doctor. <laughs> uh, how do you, so how do you come up with this? Like, how did you uh, – because I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that what you're doing is completing a whole um, – you're making a fantasy world. Yes. And characters in it. And mm-hmm. so where, where does that world come from in your mind? Do you, do you kind of know how, to, how, it, how that process works? Yeah, I uh, I basically start with an idea, and then with that idea, like um, just kind of a unique system or mechanics to the system, and I apply that and I build the world from there uh, to see because that those mechanics and the system has to work with the world. Um, it's it's better to start with that than to try to shoehorn a uh, a system or mechanics into an existing world that that isn't suited for it because then it's it's very obvious that you just kind of you just added some flair to it that doesn't really matter usually so i start with the system mechanics um like some are uh inside of a body i make i have uh like a i do dungeon core i should uh kind of state that dungeon core is a subset of um Lit RPG and Gamelit, and it focuses on the perspective of a dungeon and how they um, like set traps, create monsters, design their dungeons to uh, defend themselves against adventurers, heroes, whatever you want to call them. Um, and I take that kind of idea and I apply it in different ways. Like I'm saying, um, I can uh, put it inside of a body, and the dungeon core uses immune cells to defend itself. Uh, against bacteria or uh, viruses, that kind of stuff. Um, I could make it uh, the dungeon core in a fantasy land uh, use um, like probabilities and chance to uh, figure out what kind of monsters or traps it uses to um, defend its its dungeon. Um, There's a whole bunch of uh, science fiction using high-tech DNA sequencers to uh, create new monsters to defend itself. Um, it, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can go about it. Uh, but the, the main part of it is adding a system and the mechanics first before you get into uh, too much world building um, and, and build around the system and mechanics. Well, what, is, what, what do you um, think your readers get out of this book? Or let's take it someone like me. Um, I'm I'm totally new to this idea. So if I was to pick up this book, what do you think, or what do you hope that I take away from it? Uh, basically, that you are invested in their development. Um, that's what a lot of it is. It's uh, role playing games is a lot about character development. So you uh, you you play a role in these games essentially. Um, and when you read these books, you almost feel like you're you're going along with them. 
Um, so not just coming along for the ride for a story, but you you feel like uh, you're invested in these characters and you want to see them develop. You want to see them um, get stronger, overcome obstacles, um, and um, pretty much just you know you want to see the end journey and you want to you want to be there at every step of the way. Um, sometimes it's fun to for readers to second guess the choices. Like if I was in that position, would I have selected uh, this spell or this spell? Um, so it, it really kind of depends on you know the, the reader if they like that or if they just like watch the development. Um, that some people love crafting. Uh, they like to they love crafting in games. So they they like to be able to put elements together to create something new. Uh, they like to read about that kind of stuff. Um, there's there's all sorts of different readers. Um, some like a lot of humor. Um, there's, you know, it, just like uh, normal fantasy and science fiction books, um, it's what the the writer wants to get out is a, an enjoyable experience experience for the reader. Well, in Dungeon Court, would you say that the dungeon itself is kind of the protagonist, the main character? Yes, yes, definitely. This this seems like it's become kind of like a popular popular niche. Uh, what do you what do you feel the the appeal is to the uh, reader? Uh, like I was saying, the just learning about the development of the characters, um, being invested in them, being a part of their their journey. Uh, just like a lot of the people who read these kind of books are gamers, uh, not necessarily has to be D and D or any kind of tabletop games. But even just video games, if they like uh, role-playing games, um, you know, first-person shooters, you know, like Call of Duty, that kind of stuff. Um, they have all sorts of things. But it's the the reason they play those games is because they want to uh, experience those games, uh, you know, experience the characters firsthand. So and aid in their development. So when they see a, a character actually developing through the story, they're they really connect with that, and I think that's what what we as writers want the readers to take out of it. They want we want them to uh, both be invested, connected, and enjoy that development. So it's kind of like seeing the development or the growth of a player from the inside. Exactly. So you get to see their their choices. Um, you know, see them make mistakes, uh, see them overcome all these things, these obstacles, um, and it's seeing it from from the inside. So, so your character, the main character in this this new book, Milton Frederick, how yes. would you describe him? Like, who is Milton? Well, let's see. He uh, he is a uh, like a professional gamer, and he was abducted by aliens. Uh, so these aliens, they abducted him in order to. Um, put him in a station core. What a station core is, is a high-tech dungeon core, essentially, that allows him to create just about anything he can think of using raw materials inside of his core. Um, and they abducted him in order to defend themselves against um, another alien species that were, that were uh, attacking them, uh, but they were not able to do it themselves because they were pacifists. They were able to defend themselves um, passively, but they needed some help from um, 
humans, essentially, in a station course. That's why they uh, abducted him. And he is, he's kind of naive sometimes, but um, he's really, he learned to to live with his new experience because his, his body was basically destroyed. His consciousness was uh, implanted into the station core. Um, so he's, he's learned to uh, develop through um, a lot of different trials. This is, um, this is actually a continuation of my station core series. And this, is a starting to uh, combine a lot of my other series together and um, kind of cross over different genres because uh, Station Cores is mainly sci-fi. It's got fantasy elements um, in it, but it's uh, at its core, um, it's sci-fi. But I'm crossing over with some fantasy elements. So we've got high-tech um particle accelerators and dna you know sequenced monsters and then i'm going to uh combine it with magic um and mana and um you know fantastical creatures like that well uh, you said they're pacifists but they killed the guy basically and yet they didn't probe him so it sounds like passive aggressive <laughs> i know it does i know it was their uh, their only way they um uh, they justified it by making him uh, immortal, essentially, because he can't die unless his, uh, he won't die of old age, I should say. Um, yeah. So his consciousness is still there. So he's technically still there. Um, so that's how they justified it um, uh, in their, their pacifistic nature. But, he, you know, he no longer has a body, so he <laughs> didn't get one last probe before going. Nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's no fun. Um, I know. So where did this come from for you? And I mean this, um, is this something you've always wanted to do or kind of like is this something you've been doing since you were a kid or like where did, how did it develop into what you do now? Well, I have, uh, before I started writing, I started writing in 2017. Uh, I had never written anything other than uh, papers, research papers for school. But I've I read a lot, um, like a ton. Uh, people in this genre, some, like in some other genres, um, they're uh, they're like they can't get enough. They can't get enough of uh, these kinds of books. So um, just like that, I read uh, a book a day, sometimes a book and a half a day. So every week, I was going through eight, nine, ten books, um, just going one after another. And eventually I, I, I stumbled upon Lit RPG in 2016, 2017, and then Dungeon Core, which really appealed to me. Um, but there weren't that many books out there. And uh, in 2017, I really wanted to read a book about a video game uh, and characters in there with Dungeon Cores. And there weren't anything or wasn't anything out there uh, with that idea. And that's what I wanted to read because I thought that would be a cool idea. And there wasn't anything. I decided to write it myself. Um, no prior experience in creative writing. Um, I, 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 I had a lot of experience uh, in, you know, English class and college and stuff like that, um, you know, with uh, grammar and all that stuff. But I never actually creatively wrote before. Um, so when I first did that, it was it was tough to get, to get started. But I, I got through my first book. And published it on Amazon 
just to just for fun, just to see what would happen. And people people really liked it. And I started selling it and decided to keep writing. And at the end of 2018, I went full time because it was it was making enough to uh, pay for bills. So I had to just go full time. Well, I'm wondering, you know, when you're you're writing these Mm -hmm. and using statistics and, and, and maybe dice rolls and stuff to, to create the story. I'm just wondering if you're ever tempted to go beyond the statistics. And the reason I ask that is uh, back when I used to play uh, Dungeons and Dragons with my brother, mm-hmm. at times I'd be the, the dungeon master and I'd also do some player characters as well. Um, because it was only, it was only the two of us. Yeah. And so, you know, I really like these characters. And so sometimes I'd like bend the rules a little bit. <laughs> you know, my own rules and stuff to keep the characters going or, 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 or to keep the story evolving or to keep them from dying. I just, I just wonder if um, you've ever been tempted to, to do anything like that while you're writing these stories. Yes, definitely. There's a couple times where you can, you can get those, you know, those uh, elements into the story to keep them alive. But in this genre, if you do it too much, uh, people will notice, um, yeah. and they will call you out. Uh, and even uh, bending some of the rules as far as your mechanics and stuff like that, um, they will they will do the math for you. Uh, <laughs> they they are like, uh, you got this wrong. Um, you know, that's five thousand, not four thousand. Um, <laughs> so they they will call you out. They'll they will um, they'll message you. They'll <laughs> they'll email you. Be like, you got this wrong. Uh, you need to fix it. Um, for your other readers, um, so yeah, that's part of the the um, that's both the appeal as a reader and uh, appeal as a writer because you want to make sure it's right. Um, so a lot of research goes into um, our stories because um, it's not just you know just making up these uh, systems in the world and stuff like that, but you want to make sure you're you're as correct as possible. Um, so editing and uh, fact checking and um, the math. There's a lot of math involved in a lot of these, uh, <laughs> behind the scenes at least, um, so that you know you're you're correct. Wow, whole different idea for me of, of role playing. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you do you so do you actually get inside it yourself? Like when you're when you're going through a book, do you actually role play or become any of the characters? Uh, I kind of put myself in the position of usually the the dungeon core. Um, so I can, uh, I can understand what choices they should make and, uh, cause they're all about, uh, like developing their dungeon. So, um, they are making the story essentially, uh, cause you also have the viewpoints of like adventurers or heroes going through. Um, so they are actually developing their story within the story. Um, so I, I follow them along because, um, normally in fantasy, they have to, you know, they go on a journey and they fight monsters or whatever, you know, they may go through a dungeon, but you're, when you're thinking about the dungeon core, you need to think about, uh, essentially the other side. You got to think, you got to think about what the bad guy would do essentially. Uh, even though a lot of the dungeon cores, they could go either way they could be bad. They could just, that could be just what they naturally are. Um, but you got to really think about the other side of adventuring, uh, journeys, and that kind of stuff. 
Well, how do you explain your, your or how would you describe, is probably better, um, your characters? And I say that because I've had hundreds of writers on and ask, and I ask them quite often about their characters. And some of them will say, well, they're like my family, they're like my children. Like they have bonafide relationships with these people as if they are real people, like they're like their neighbors or something. So um, in this particular type of writing, is that, how, how is it that you feel about your characters? Uh, I, they're more, well, I, I do connect with them and I do apply some uh, real world um, relationships to their um, personalities. Um, but they are typically like a dungeon core, could be a, a floating gym in in a uh, in a dungeon like glowing gym or a crystal or something like that so they don't necessarily have bodies they don't have the same you know, kind of um uh, you know uh, body language that a normal character would do so you can't say like uh you know, you know mike shrugged because they're 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 not really they don't have a body they can't shrug they can't um you know they they don't have the same kind of uh, physical appearance as normal characters. Uh, so you really have to give them personality through other means. And I kind of connect through those personalities more than their uh, physical actions. Um, so I try to connect that way as much as possible. Can you explain um, what is, uh, you know, a dungeon core then for someone like me? You, you use it as a character, but... How, how do you describe what a dungeon core is? Uh, yeah, it's basically, uh, really it can be anything, anyone, but typically um, kind of the, the base idea is a um, some sort of a stone, a gem, a crystal that's at the heart of a dungeon, and it's what powers the dungeon, what makes all the decisions for the dungeon, um, and controls everything in there. Um, so they are usually an object. Now there's, there's stories out there, Dungeon Core stories, even ones that I've written that they have, uh, they may have human avatars that they can create. Um, so they can kind of inhabit a body that's kind of an artificial body. Um, there's some that are like half human, half Dungeon Core. Um, and yeah, but the main idea behind them is that they're stuck in a dungeon. They are like little gems, crystals, stones. Um, there's a lot of different varieties, however you want to describe them. Um, but they are the heart. Uh, think uh, they are the computer of of the dungeon. Essentially, they're the they're the the motherboard. Yeah. The brain. The brain. There you go. Yeah. Brain. No brain over here. Um, <laughs> and I think it's crazy. Now, you, if I'm right, so you've been writing four years and you've got 40 books behind you. Yeah. Um, so how long does it take you to write one of these books? And, and kind of what's your process? Or does it just come and you write it all out? Or is it way? How, how does that work? Well, I usually start with uh, planning um, and taking about usually two or three days to really get out some of my uh, ideas. I don't do too many outlines. I'd more just write some notes on uh, kind of the points I want to hit. Uh, if I need to do any research, that'll go in those notes as well. 
um, and kind of figure out, you know, kind of where I want the story to go. Um, and then I usually takes me about four weeks to write a book. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, and then I have a week of, um, you know, editing and promotion and stuff like that once it's actually out. So about five to six weeks uh, is what it takes me for each book to put it out. Some are a little bit less. Um, I just did one um, in October that took me uh, about three weeks, but it was only 80,000 almost about 90,000 words, whereas my typical uh, books are usually about 120,000 words. Wow. So you um, you just have that? Or you, yeah. <laughs> well, it must be kind of draining, but I, I could imagine. So are you able to just kind of like go, okay, well, I'm, I'm free tomorrow starting at 9, and I'm free till four, so I'm just going to sit down and write, and you can just sit down and write, or do you have to wait for an idea to come to you? Uh, I just sit down and write. I have a I have a, a pretty strict schedule I, I stick to, so about uh, 6 to 7.30 in the morning, that's when I start. I start at about 6. Um, I, I work on other, like, business matters, emails and ads and all that kind of stuff, 
Um, and then from about 7.38 till about 3, 3.30 is when I write. And then I usually do write when my uh, daughter goes to bed. Uh, so around like 8 o'clock till uh, about 7.30 at night until uh, about 9 o'clock. I write for another hour and a half. Um, so I, I, I write quite a bit each day, like 8 to 9 hours, uh, Monday through Friday. And then also usually work four or five hours on a Sunday uh, unless I'm doing something. But I try to try to keep on schedule there. How how is the this this general for you for I mean and when I I would imagine this type of writing mm-hmm. you have to be very interactive with people with readers yeah. and people they're very involved in this they have to be on board it's almost like a uh, you know a, a spaceship in that sense like you guys are all part of a team in a sense so I I would that take a lot of your time being. I don't want to really call it marketing, but being involved with readers and people on, on the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. It does take a lot of time. Um, so that's why uh, I, I usually, I stay involved, but not too involved uh, while I'm writing a story. But when I have releases, like if I have an audiobook release, because um, sometimes um, ACX will just release it whenever it feels like. Um, so uh, whenever audiobook releases, I give out codes and like those days are pretty much shot for, for writing, um, because I'm interacting with, uh, fans on Facebook, on, uh, my newsletters, giving out some codes on my patron. Um, so there's a lot of interaction with, with the readers and fans and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, there's probably a, a week every five weeks where I'm not really writing. I'm doing other things. Um, but it may may um, interrupt my writing, you know. Like I said, when I have a, a surprise release um, of a, like an audio book and stuff like that. So uh, there's a lot uh, to interact with everybody that's you know involved. How how are you with reviewers then? Like with this modern day of publishing, you know, um, like you you kind of alluded to earlier that someone can just get a hold of you pretty easily nowadays like they yes. find you get you a message or email or something mm-hmm. so do you do you ever find it that you get people that maybe not like what you do or there's some sort of negative interactions with this modern world oh yeah absolutely there there are people that uh you know hate my books there are people that love my books that like just about any any books out there there are people that hate some of the most popular books out there um, so I think everybody, everybody's got it, but yeah, uh, I've got emails, I've got messages on Facebook. Um, you know, you just kind of, you just kind of roll with it. It was, it's tough at first as a new writer to, uh, you know, roll with it, to shrug it off. Um, but also if they have legitimate, uh, legitimate complaints, um, you know, try to fix those. Like if it's something I can fix, um, like I said, if, uh, how I was saying, they'll point out things that are wrong in your books. Uh, so if I can fix it, I will. If it's something about my writing uh, ability, I will try to uh, fix that in the future as far as um, possibly, you know, changing, you know, a little bit of the way I write to uh, make it flow better. Um, you know, constructive criticism is great. Some people uh, go a little farther than that. And, 
that's just the world, unfortunately. But you try to try to adapt and um, take it as it is. Uh, bad reviews uh, at first, you know, they're they're crushing. They're they're like, I can't believe they gave me a one star, and they said that, you know, uh, about me or my book, whatever. Um, you know, if there's like I said, legitimate complaints, then something I'll I'll look into fixing in the future or at the, at the time. Um, but just hunt them down and kill them. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you feel like that, but um, yeah, it's more you just have to you just have to roll with it. Um, just ignore it for the most part if it's not something that um, they you know like where they say I really don't like the way he writes. Uh, I didn't finish his book. Like, there's not much you can do about that. Um, you know, there's if there's plenty of people who really love it, then there's there's going to be some people that don't. Do you have favorite role-playing games or um, video games, and uh, which, which role-playing and, and video games inspired you the most? Uh, probably Skyrim, and that's probably my favorite still, even though it came out like 10 years ago. Uh, that's probably my favorite role-playing game that kind of inspired, inspired a lot of um, kind of ideas, but also uh, games that uh, old-school Nintendo and Super Nintendo RPG games, um, uh, Final Fantasy comes to mind, um, a lot of those kind of games that had some uh, great systems to them um, kind of inspired me. I also... Um, probably inspired a bit from uh, Magic the Gathering card game. Uh, that was always enjoyable. Um, just a lot of different elements from everything. Uh, even uh, first-person shooters, um, those ones can uh, apply a little bit to development and uh, character-driven you know, stories, stuff like that. Hmm. And, and I see that this... Um... Um, it's under a category about uh, teen and young adult space operas. So first of all, I guess it's kind of, this is a book that anybody at pretty much any age can read. Yes. Uh, most of my books don't have any uh, language or very sparse language in some of my books. Uh, my Station Course series, the first like two books, there's a little bit of language, uh, mainly from a, a one character that has a potty mouth. <laughs> Uh, but I don't have any uh, sexual content. Um, I don't have any, uh, like I said, mo most of my books don't have very much language, uh, like foul language to, um, you know, for, for kids to read. There's violence. So I'd say, you know, teen, young teens and up, so 13 and up probably is the best, um, you know, age range, uh, you know, 13 and two adults. Um, I don't, I've tried to do, you know, kind of sexual content or uh, like the foul language. I actually had to tone it down because <laughs> it was too much and um, I, I didn't, it didn't work out for me. So I, I kind of went the other route of having it cleaner as far as um, those kind of restrictions. And I don't, I don't think it works for my, the way I write. So I try to mm. keep it, you know, yeah, it has to fit. Like it has exactly. to feel, has to feel right. It has to feel comfortable. I mean, it fits in certain situations. But being a, a space opera, so is is there might be no sex, but is there love involved? Uh, yes, 
Uh, there's some uh, relationships forming, especially in this book, uh, between some uh, two different cores. So Milton and uh, a different core that he meets along the way. Um, so yeah, there's there's relationships, um, but I don't I don't have any actual sex and, and those kind of things in, in my books anymore. Well, that could be a special edition. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you got the, the no probing, and the planet's called Proctus. Uh, yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that sounds like something I'd I'd write. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> I know you in. you could you could uh, make an argument for that, but yeah, I don't really have any of um, actual explicit content. Yeah, well, it's probably not the main theme, right? It's not. It's not. It's, the, not. it's not what you're trying to get across, and there's no advantage to it. So, yeah, it'd be just gratuitous and attracting people that wouldn't probably like the rest of the book. Exactly, it'd be out of place. Yeah, splits the audience, so to speak. Um, yeah. When you get in, so so, when you're planning to write something like this, and I see this like these series you've got, like the Station Core series, right? This uh-huh. is a continuation. Yeah. Um, so in your mind, when you write the very first book in a series, do you have it mapped out to go 10 or 12 books? Do you have sort of an idea of it going quite a long ways, or are you doing it just as a one-off, and then it just happens that you want to continue it then at the time? Well, I know that it's going to be a series, but I don't usually know how many it's going to be. I usually have a you know my starting point, and then I have an end point where I want it to get to. Um, but I don't, uh, I don't know if it's going to be three, four, five, six books. I usually try not to go past that. Um, series fatigue, uh, can be a killer in this genre. Um, so there are some books that can go 10, 15 books, but, um, typically anything longer than, uh, six, eight books is, um, uh, they're, they're either really, really uh, popular. Uh, or there's some, some something special about them. Like they could be a lot shorter um, than normal books uh, in this genre. Um, so I try not to go past about five or six. Hmm. So where do you see yourself going with this now, now that it's kind of caught on and you're um, making enough to pay the water bill? Um, where, where, yeah. does it, where does it, where do you think you, or where do you want to see it go? Well, I want to, uh, I'd like to see uh, more development in the Dungeon Core uh, community. Um, there's the Lit RPG and Game Lit community is actually, it's getting fairly large, which is awesome. Um, there are more Dungeon Core authors out there than there used to be, but uh, I want to keep seeing it uh, expand, uh, improve. Um, and I love, I love reading Dungeon Core still. So um, I want, I want, other people to write it so I can read it essentially. So uh, I also want to more expand more into um, strictly lit RPG uh, books instead of some dungeon core. That'll probably be in the future. I have one series that is lit RPG only, not dungeon core. And um, I enjoyed writing it that I wrote a couple of years ago. And I want to get back to that probably as well. Uh, in addition to a uh, dungeon core that I'm writing. Hmm. So, um, anybody that kind of influences your writing? Um, I'd probably say some of the forerunners in the dungeon core uh, genre: uh, Dakota Kraut, uh, Jeffrey Falcon Loeb, 
Uh, those were my two favorite. They did the Divine Dungeon and Slime Dungeon uh, series, and I really enjoyed those, um, and that's kind of what got me into it. So uh, I take a lot of cues from their their writing um, and some of the same tropes that they use, like they have a dungeon fairy or dungeon pixie, something that acts as a guide for new dungeon cores. Um, the way that they develop their dungeons is something that I've played around with, but um, use the same kind of ideas that um, they kind of came up with uh, at the start of this genre. Because it's not a very, very big genre. Uh, 2016, I believe, is when uh, some of the first books like this came out. Uh, Lit RPG is a little bit older. It came out in Russia first. Um, and it started in like 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. Um, so the whole, you know, the RPG, uh, game lit, uh, community is fairly new. So unlike most genres, it's only been around for, uh, less than 10 years, really. So it's communist. Uh, well, <laughs> that's, that's kind of where, where they, where they started, but we've uh, adapted it for, so. well, that's, you know, that's a good thing. You know, yeah. Uh, just uh, anybody you'd like to work with? Uh, I'd love to work with uh, probably Dakota Crowd at some point. I actually worked with Jeffrey uh, Falcon Logue to do uh, my bio dungeon, the one about the uh, core instead of a body. Um, so that was that was kind of a dream come true, you know, being able to work with uh, one of the people who got me into the genre um, to write. So uh, Dakota Kraut, um James Hunter. Um, he's also, he does urban fantasy. He used to do a lot of urban fantasy, but now he does a lot of, uh, I think he still does, but he does a lot of, um, game lit and lit RPG now too. Hmm. What do you think, you know, from your perspective, now that you've written 40 books and you've been involved in this scene for a while, um, when you pick up a book in this same type of writing, Mm -hmm. um, what do you consider a good one, like what? Do you, and I don't mean you don't have to name places, but I mean like when you read it, what 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 about it makes it good? Like what is it that you look for in a good uh, book in this area? I like detail, so um, I like details about how the dungeons are constructed, um, about how they develop their traps and monsters and, and any other elements to their dungeon. Um, there are some there great stories. Um, I don't enjoy them as much if they just like uh, say, "Oh, uh, the dungeon core just built these four rooms and filled them with traps," and they don't explain that. So I want I like a lot of detail. Um, the rest of the story might be great if it if it doesn't have that detail, um, but I like to dig in. I like to learn about um, their decisions and how they use their their uh you know mana their power whatever you want to call it um to actually affect those changes in their dungeons um i like to see their their thought processes and why they created all of these different uh elements to their dungeon instead of just uh, a page or two of uh you know i created you know this 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 room filled it with these monsters that i just happen to have um you know access to uh, instead of actually uh, starting from the beginning and going through each step. Sometimes it can get a little detailed, and I, I actually like that. Uh, some people don't, but um, it, like 
my books, I detail a lot of that kind of stuff. So it's, it's what I like to read and um, some of the, the, like I said, the forerunners in the genre had those kind of details and I loved it. And that's, that's why I got into it myself. Well, thinking about video games, I'm wondering uh, what your thoughts are on, on this, uh, on, on uh, modern video games versus uh, the retro video games. I, I find that the retro had just like a longer shelf life, and I tended to like it better because it didn't have, uh, they just didn't have the graphics, they didn't have the cutscenes and, and, and all of that stuff. I, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on that. Well, uh, so modern versus retro, retro games, uh, I grew up playing them a lot. So um, the things about those were um, usually didn't have a lot of choice. Um, so a lot of those times, you know, eventually they'd come out with more games, but um, you usually sat with the game for hours and hours and hours trying to perfect it or, you know, do better and stuff like that. Um, there are still games out there that are modern like that, but, um, you know, as a kid, uh, teenagers, uh, I used to just spend hours or days on a single game, playing it over and over. It could be the same level over and over. Um, and uh, it, it was it was fun to improve yourself. Now it's more of an experience. So a lot of these uh, modern games, um, you know, they're all into the story. They're into the graphics. It, it's an experience rather than... Um, something to challenge yourself. There's some, some challenges, of course, but I think it's more of an experience that, uh, like watching a movie almost. Mm. So uh, once you play through it, you've experienced the story, you've seen the graphics, um, and once you do that, you beat the game and you're kind of done with it. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of replay value in, in a lot of games. There are some that, like Skyrim, I could play that, even though I've been playing it for 10 years, I could play that over and over uh, another couple hours each day if I really wanted to um, and still have fun because um, it has a large world. It's got a lot of replay value. Um, but some games, you know, they're awesome for the 20, 30 hours it takes for you to get through them. Um, but it may not have the same replay replayability to go through it again. And that's kind of what uh, I think is missing in some games mm. um, in, in the modern age compared to the retro games. Hmm. Wow. So um, now, um, how do you like people to get a hold of you? What's your favorite way of communicating with, with readers and fans? Uh, Facebook probably is my, my best way. Um, so either like personally, uh, my page or my, uh, I have Dungeon Core by John, Jonathan Brooks page. Um, so that's probably the best way. Emails. Um, do you have a website yeah, I, or you... I don't have a website. I just have a, a patron and then I just have my author page on Amazon. Okay. We'll make sure we link that up with our site. Awesome. Listeners can find you and stuff like that. And, and uh, Tinder, Grinder, anything like that? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> unfortunately, no. Oh, well, I mean, you know, got to, got to, got to stay up on these things. You know? <laughs> yeah. I got to make sure. I mean, yeah. you know, this is the, you got a dungeon and everything there. So, you know. uh, that's true. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you never know what's going on here. I want to find it. Well, you know, um, how, how was the, 
last couple of years for you? I mean, I, I, this is kind of a different type of writing. So do you do just like the COVID and all this unrest in the, in the States and all this stuff going on, does it sort of affect you in your writing? Um, it didn't really affect me too much. Uh, you saw us, uh, like sales fluctuate, uh, like when it first started the pandemic, then, uh, sales were actually kind of high because people were staying home. They were going to read. Um, and then it's fluctuated from there. But as far as personally, I don't have to, I never, well, not never, but, um, I don't have to go out to work. Um, so I can work from home. So that didn't really matter too much to me. Um, a lot less, uh, visiting with other people, um, going out to stores for a while, but after the vaccines, um, you know, I'm feel more comfortable going out. Yeah. Well, you know, I've got a great idea for you, you know, when you do your next book, you know, these people that say something bad about your writing or about you, you can always just take them and kill them in your book. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> right. Well, I do that. Uh, I have a, in my, on my patron on one of my uh, tier levels, I can uh, have them put in my books if they want. Um, and one just recently wanted, um, uh, this lady wanted her and her boyfriend in uh, my spirit core book, which is essentially, uh, it's a book about a reincarnated serial killer, uh, brought back from, from hell to haunt, um, houses and kill them using their fear against them. Um, and they wanted to have some characters in there that either to, that were either victims or something like that. So, um, I, I've had people want to do that and, you know, I had a lot of fun. I made them into, uh, uh, actually serial killers themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You just yeah. never know, you know, yeah. but you should, you should be happy. You know, you, you look at you, you've done really well. You've, uh, you know, four years ago or so, you just went into a whole new area that hadn't really been explored that deeply at the time. You just jumped in and, and did it. So, you, you know, you know, anybody says bad stuff, you just, you just tell them to uh, come to me. I'll take care of them. I get, okay. swore, I get swore it almost every day, so okay. I'll just throw it on there, you know. And I got a really good idea for your next book. Okay. <laughs> how about, you know, role playing in a game? How about strip poker? I know, I know about this one. Oh my! Uh, well, you know, there you are know, you got the dungeons, you got the probing, you got all this stuff going on. We just throw some whips in there and maybe a rack. Oh, there, there are some dungeon cores that have a uh, harem elements. Harem is a very big. Um, Part of the genre in, in some of the RPG and dungeon cores. Um, so there's, there's, uh, I think I've probably read something similar to that in <laughs> one book or another. Wow. Uh, wow. There you go, see, Al. see, there's, there's, there's all sorts of things you find out in this show. Yes. Don't get this anywhere else. <laughs> well, it's been, it's been really good to have you. Yeah. And I'm glad you're doing well and hopefully it continues. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah. Me you too. know, uh, now the new book, of course, is called Core Stat Establishment, and mm -hmm. by our guest, the author, Jonathan Brooks. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Jonathan. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews. 
find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.